Good evening, movie masons, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I am joined today by my good friend, Kit, continuing our uh, duo triple of uh, Disney Channel original... Oh, I'm sorry, a tuple. Continuing our tuple... (laughs) Uh, for our Disney Channel original movie triple triple feature. Um, this morning, we will be discussing the 2000 film The Phantom of the Megaplex, directed by Blair True, again, which is the second True joint that we have. Total coincidence. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of kind of weird. He hasn't really done a lot of movies. Assuming it's a boy, a man. Um, what if it was a boy? <laughs> what if it was a young boy that directed these? <laughs> uh, Kit, had you seen this film before? Here's something that may surprise you, Mike. I don't believe I have. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, to me, for whatever reason, it stands out as like the Ur Disney Channel original movie. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's one of the first. It's like Smart House was probably 99, I'm guessing. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. That might be the real. I mean, that might be one we should have watched possibly. But this one... I saw, t- I saw commercials for it all over the place. I um, knew I, I probably caught pieces of it on Disney Channel before before I would click away. I honestly think as a kid, I definitely knew who Mickey Rooney was. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I I honestly think the fact that he was in it probably turned me off a little bit as a twelve year old. Okay. Um, because I think it might have made me a little bit sad. Mickey Rooney. Yeah, because I knew I was like. I know who Mickey Rooney is to the history of cinema, right. even as a kid. And so like <laughs> just the idea of like carting him out right. at this age for a damn Disney Channel original movie, like just was kind of a bummer. Yeah. And so I think I might have avoided it for that reason. I guess that kind of makes sense. My possibly my first exposure to Mickey Rooney was the Simpsons episode where he mm-hmm. uh, they, they're making the radioactive man movie and Mickey Rooney is like eager to get any kind of part in the film uh, <laughs> like he's going to play uh, fallout boy when Millhouse uh, isn't able to uh-huh. and so like and it's voiced by him like it's it's not like they're just right. making fun of Mickey Rooney but he's so in on the joke of like this kind of like kind of like Hollywood has been but who's still like very eager to be in any project he can mm-hmm. get in Um so for me, seeing him in this was almost just kind of funny, like um, basic. I mean, because that would have been I think that episode would have been maybe three years before this film was made. So uh, here he is in some random project that his agent got him in. So, uh, had you seen this? No, I had never had been this too before. old. No, and I, don't, yeah. I don't. I had heard of it, but only like when I would go looking for like Halloween movies like yeah. kids movies that are kind of scary, which this one turned out not to be even really moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think it popped up then, but no, I've never really heard anybody talk about it. I don't remember my sister ever watching this. Um, you probably missed the whole Disney Channel original movie thing because you would have been like 14 when they started, which is like right. kind of too old. Now I watched them until I was 18, but right. you know. No, I most of my Disney Channel exposure was through my sister, um, who was three years younger than me. So she's your age. And mm-hmm. so she always had Disney Channel on pretty much over Nickelodeon, over Cartoon Network, she was watching Disney Channel. Um, hmm. But it was more like even Stevens and Lizzie McGuire, which I think was around the same time. Hell yeah. Um, so Yeah. 
maybe like a year or two after this. Okay, because it was no, like I mean, before, pretty close before Hannah Montana, but then right, yeah. Hannah Montana is Hannah Mon- Hannah Montana and like Sweet Life is when I got off like the Disney Channel train. Yeah, basically, aside from like High School Musical, which was just like fun to right watch with my friends. Um, but. I think I think I was like in ninth grade, maybe when Lizzie McGuire started. Okay. And I just I I loved that show, um, and I think part of why I liked it was I just would watch it and think like, wow, this is actually a very good encapsulation of what middle school was like, particularly the first season. Yeah. Um, before the show got, I think, a lot more popular, and it was a little bit more like. <laughs> grounded and documentary style in a weird kind of way um that i was like oh these are my actually because usually like i'm like gordo on liz mcguire reminded me so much of jeff like yeah (laughs) like um this little like quiet artsy guy who's like you know and then miranda was even like natalie honestly where she was just like very cool and um like disney channel was pretty good for a little window i mean i know i i don't want to do that thing of like it was cool when I was a kid, right. but then when I was too old for it. But no, because like I said, I watched it till I was eighteen. Yeah. Um. But around Hannah Montana time, it just that was kind of when all kids entertainment became about wanting to be a singer <laughs> or someone famous. Right. And I that I think that kind of just that was just a different. I don't know, aesthetic or ethic or something that didn't really appeal to me yeah. as much. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked Lizzie McGuire and Even Stevens like when I would watch them. More Even Stevens because I think it had like... Even Stevens show. is legitimately funny. I yeah, feel I like it, it would hold up today if you go back and watch it. It's yeah. pretty funny. He was really good on that show. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. So no, this, this movie though, like we were talking about how Wish Upon a Star did not feel like what we think of a Disney Channel movie. Yeah. This felt like a Disney Channel movie. Like just yeah. that kind of like just bizarre choices, the uh, mm-hmm. kind of like the low budget made in Canada uh, yeah. type of feel, which it was. Um, but yeah, like it actually, it reminded me of like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like just kind of the production values of it, which a lot the of that guy was from made. Are You Afraid of the Dark is What's in that? this movie also. One of the kids from Are You Afraid of the Dark is in this movie. Oh, really? Actually. Which kid? He's one, he's one of the like ushers i don't think he gets like his own nickname at the beginning he has dark hair he's actually cute like i kind of saw him in this and i was like he was in tons of things around this time and i think he might still act and it surprised me that he wasn't the star of the movie because this was the main kids like one of his first things i think he went on to be in, in like the oc and tons of like teen shows but Coming off of Are You Afraid of the Dark, I think would have been a better like <laughs> launch pad into like yeah. helming your, you know, starring in a Disney Channel original movie. But he was like even more of a side character than a lot of the other kids. Um, okay. Interesting. I do think it had like there are ways in which this might sound insane, but I think this has higher production. As much as I agree with you, it certainly does. You don't watch it like Wish Upon a Star and think like, oh, this could have been in theaters. Right. It's very much a TV movie. But I still think it's one, a less goofy, more kind of like coherent film than a lot of like later Disney Channel 
movies when they started like really cranking them out. Yeah. And I also think in some ways it has a higher production value than like some Netflix movies yeah. that I watched. Yeah. That's no, how I feel. It wasn't that. Yeah. That wasn't totally a knock on it. It just, it definitely has like a distinct feel, but mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed it. And it, it was like, it was decently put together. Like it wasn't uh, mm-hmm. like just really terrible. Like I've definitely seen like made for kids movies that were just like, exactly. Like nobody tried on this. Um, but no, right. this one, it seemed like, yeah, like there were people who knew what they were doing working on it. And I actually, I yeah. thought all of the actors, like some of the performances were like a little awkward, but I thought all of them like had a good energy to them. Like they were all likable, except the little I, boy. He kind of got on my nerves. I just, I totally agree. Except I also think he was pretty good. And he has okay. one of the better resumes of other people, of all the people in this, in this movie. He had been on Party of Five for like three seasons at, oh, by the okay. time he was in this movie. Um, and I definitely recognized him from other stuff too. But I, yeah, I thought all the kids, like, it had that thing that maybe this is what I mean about how it's different, I think, from from later Disney Channel original movies is that the teens in this movie feel like kids that you could hang out with that yeah. you would know. Um, and I think later on they just become more glamorous. Yeah. Often like in these movies, they're, they're more aspirational depictions of like, of what it is to be like a, a young teenager or I guess a 17 year old in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this felt grounded in the sense that it's like, a guy who's got to like take care of his brothers and sisters and he has a job and he's not really doing anything. He's not like, he's not trying to win a competition. He's not half a half merman. He's not, you know, <laughs> he's just like a kid doing a thing. Right. Um, and I thought all the, I thought all the kids were, um, were good. Um, mom was good. Yeah, yeah, and I recognize her. Like she's definitely kind of yeah. A character she's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, TV's Shelley Duvall is how I think of her. Yeah, and I love her bangs. Oh, and I thought that so I was in the middle. I I was also working while I was watching this. I had three t- three screens. Yeah, going, <laughs> and then I also have my phone because I was like I can't type, so I'll voice to text all my notes. Um, and as I was saying, like oh, she looks like Shelley Duvall, or like she's rem- has a Shelley Duvall air about her. And then she said, "All work and no play," as I was like <laughs> typing that, which I thought was interesting. Weird. I loved her bangs. I miss those bangs. Those are still like the bangs that I will have if I ever have bangs again. Hmm. What were they like off to the side? I didn't even notice. Just those like really choppy, like too short, late nineties bangs. Okay. Hmm. That's what I enjoy. <laughs> Um, uh, very, very funny line right after off the bat. So the opening, of course, there's narration, which is always a pet peeve of mine. Uh, However, I can understand why they would have wanted it in that opening. That's kind of like an, like a montage of, of the original, you know, the, as that universal's phantom, um, and talking about like the power of movies. It's like, yeah, you would need a guy talking over this. Yeah. Um, and then I can also, and in that part of the movie, he says, one thing he says is dates, facts. I mean, who cares? Uh, I like that line. That would like endear you to the children watching the, the show immediately. Um, I can also see why they would want voiceover in the part where he's like introducing all of the characters, Suicide Squad style. Um, 
but then he narrates every single other thing. <laughs> like it's like 10 minutes yeah. of narration and and opening credits going by in an in a 90 minute movie of him like explaining things that could easily be <laughs> provided to us just by watching these characters talk to each other that annoyed the shit yeah. out of me. Well, it was kind of weird too cuz like they're still running the credits and then it pops up like we call her Scary Terry and it's like yes. it's like looks like and her name. And then that goes away Terry. and then it's credit. Yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> but I will say regarding the names, I thought most of that was kind of useless. Like it's like, you know, here is everybody's defining character yeah. trait. But I thought the payoff for question mark was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a guy named Mark. They call him question mark because he always asks questions. At one point, he picks up the phone. Uh, and in movies, it's always like a cliche of like somebody being like, what? What's that? You want me to go to the, you know, dinner at the place tonight? You know, like they repeat. But question mark, of course, he does that. He already does that in in person mm-hmm. interactions. And so it was brilliant to have him do that over the phone. I don't know if that was deliberate or if that just was a happy accident. But uh I- Definitely I felt the same way. This this whole opening, I was like, first I was like, is this narrator Mike? Um, <laughs> because what he's describing. And then as soon as as soon as Mickey Rooney popped up, I was like, oh no, that's Mike. And then <laughs> Lee came in and he sat down next to me and watched a little bit. And he's like, oh, that's Mike about Mickey Rooney. <laughs> um, but I think I I think like the the little introducing the characters thing. I was like, oh, this is like this is fun. Like this is a yeah yeah. There are too many of them, but it was cool. But I wish they'd all had as much fun kind of payoffs. Like, I wish, like, the scary, the girl who's always telling scary stories, I wish that that had somehow been, like, woven into the plot a little bit yeah. more. Oh, I have, um, this, I have a scary mm-hmm. story for you, but we'll, we'll save it for uh, a little oh, yes. conversation. But, like, the specifics were interesting. Like, the girl who comes out. And she calls, she's like, she's the first thing she line she says is something, oh wow, this looks great, honey. Yeah. And then it freezes and like they'd say, like, she's like a grandma. She talks like an old person and she calls everybody honey. Yeah. And I think that that joke was compromised slightly by the fact that she looks 29 years old right. and is playing a teenager. But I like, that's a, that actually, f- it almost makes you feel like this was based, like, honestly, like you wrote this based on working in a movie theater or yeah. someone who has real memories of friends like this yeah. came that, up with these. That was actually, that was one of my notes that whoever wrote this movie, like definitely worked in a movie theater. Uh, That's awesome. Because yeah, like, and I mean, it's not like it's like a big secret, like what goes on in the industry or anything like that. But just like, like I worked at a theater for a couple of years in high school. It was not a megaplex, but it was just, it was a three screen theater in a mall. And uh, yeah, like just all the little things of like, Oh, I'm trying to think. I don't know them setting up the concession. I mean, just when everything starts to go wrong, it's like you would have you would have that would be me being like, OK, I'm sitting down to write this movie. Like, what were the various things I did at the right. theater? OK, we had to thread the projector. And so that's, you know, this going to go wrong in this one scene or like, oh, we had to make popcorn. Like and I one of the things when I worked at the theater, like the popcorn machine would catch on fire sometimes. And so like <laughs> uh, so that was a good one, like to have it like overflow like that. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but yeah, so I, I, I thought there were, it wasn't even like there were like, oh, brilliant little small details, but I was like, yeah. So whoever wrote this, like probably spent a summer working at like AMC 30 one day, you know, or, uh, one year, but, uh, but yeah, it felt almost like, like, um, this, this is a stretch maybe, but it was almost like, I don't know, clerks like, or mall rats, like uh-huh. in the way that it's set up, it's like little characters and the way that they, you know, they're, they're. 
And especially with the kind of lower stakes of it not being like other Disney Channel movies with like a competition or something magical happened yeah. happening or something. It was just like a day at the movie theater. It was like it was a I was pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. But then they go. I kind of wish we'd stayed with those guys because then they introduce the mom and the two siblings and the mom's fucking boyfriend. Yeah. And it's like, and plus there's like the guy who the manager of the theater, there's his boss. There's the director of the movie. Right. There's the actress from the movie. And there's the lady in the yellow jacket who, I don't know she was like a PR person or a studio person or something. Yeah. And there's Mickey Rooney. So there's like eight kids who work at the theater. There's the girl he has a crush on. There's the his bully. There's his two siblings. There's the the sister's two friends. There's the mom, her boyfriend, Mickey Rooney, and like th- three or four movie people, and the manager and the manager's boss. Yeah, that so like that's a lot. Last last time we talked about how like Wish Upon a Star did not feel like a first draft. Like this was a movie like they had put thought into and all that type of stuff. This it felt like a first draft that they had built on by committee. So like maybe like an executive was like, well, we want the moms watching this to know that like you know to have a story for like the moms to watch it or like uh, you know <laughs> what I mean. How? I know why, but it's like why would that be there? But yeah, it just it felt like a lot of like so there was a draft of this, and then it felt like a lot of people had pitched in like, hey, how about a storyline for? Uh, well, obviously there's probably not like a demographic of Mickey Rooney's, but um, yeah, just like people <laughs> added on ideas on top of yeah. Cause, I mean, like, you're right. There's like probably 20 characters. It's like it's like a season of The Wire. Uh, <laughs> there's so many characters in the movie. Um, and it would have been fun to just kind of give us like a bottle episode of them in this theater with Mickey Rooney trying to pull off this this I wonder if premiere. this was originally I didn't read this, but I wonder if this was conceived as a show at some point and like uh like it would have been a Disney Channel show about kids working in a movie theater or something like that. Cuz that that would almost make more sense Maybe. for how many characters there are. But uh that, yes. Yeah, I don't know. And it yeah. It it just it got too way too complicated and like there was no sense of heightening to the like to the adventures that would happen. Yeah. It would just be like everything's basically the same amount of shitty stuff's not getting worse. Yeah, that was something I wrote in my notes too. Was that the movie seemed to kind of like flirt with. Uh, being a scary movie like like this mm-hmm. was maybe gonna be like their October Halloween Disney cha- like you know something like that on the Disney Channel but then like they never wanted to be too scary because it was a little kids in the audience and all this type of thing so like they would have moments where like like this could easily have become like a scary movie for kids but then they never wanted to like stray too far from being like no it's just a harmless mystery like there's just something wacky going on in the theater um how did I word it I guess uh yeah flirts with being scary or menacing um like we were supposed to be scared of the Phantom at points, but then it never like upped the stakes enough to where it was like there was really any peril other than just like we're concerned that the premiere might not go well, um, which I thought it's like I would have I would have I personally, obviously, I would have liked to see it lean mm-hmm. into like something actually scary. Do um, you remember the scene where it's like earlier in the movie where the grandma girl is talking to our main boy 
Um, and he's like telling her about his crush. Yeah. Did you read that scene of her being disappointed because she likes him? I mean, that would be, you know, where this would go in, in a lot of other teen movies. Yeah. I swear we got cutaways, though, of her, like, looking sad as yeah. he's describing this. Well, and her voice also had, like, that kind of, like, like, you know, well, gosh, what about me? So, like, I mean, there, there's there's that episode of South Park where they go to Aspen. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, there's the girl who's like, oh, hi, Stan. I know I wear glasses and stuff, and you probably would never look at me. You'd probably rather look at Tiffany. But I hope that someday you can, you know, like that kind of thing. So, like, <laughs> that girl, like, she talked exactly like that girl in uh, the girl in the Megaplex movie, the grandma girl. Um, so, yes, I think in the sense that a lot of these Disney movies are sort of like remakes of, like, 80s teen sex comedies, just yeah. with all of the objectionable bits removed. Um the uh the, that's the character that she would have been like she was the one who was in front of him all along but but then she does they don't end up together right well they couldn't that really. never goes anywhere i also i gotta say i know that they're all in high school and everybody's you know going through phase as far as like teen crushes go i didn't know that she was really that remarkable of a teen crush uh i don't know i kind of thought <laughs> i will say the girl that they cast as the girl he had a crush on was like really cute um in a very like, she just looked pretty normal. I mean, she was a, a pretty. She looked like a normal, normal teen, but yeah. like a, pr- but like, yeah, that's like the girl that guys would have a crush on. Right, and she's not a bitch. She's just like you know, like she's just like a nice, pretty girl. Yeah, I thought uh, I was a little freaked out by Grandma Lady, like I said, because she's clearly was born a decade like before these people, right. seemingly. But. <laughs> I think I think that seemed like a more promising avenue in part because the movie sets you up to think that most of it is going to be about these guys who work at the theater. Yeah. And that we're going to that they're going to be the like principal team that's working together to figure out this phantom situation and that it would make sense that in the course of that like he would start to realize, "Oh, she's I actually like her." And then there's this other blonde lady off in the periphery that like, you know, doesn't end up being much. Um and then that doesn't, and then the really the team, I guess, is like the brother and sister in him, yeah. or at least in terms of the moral of the movie, it's like he needs to be spending more time with his siblings. Yeah. You know, maybe that was so, like, part of the moral of the story oops, was he needs to be spending more time with his siblings. But then the other thing they tried to kind of move in there was like he needs to relax and stop focusing so much on his job right. and remember to be a kid again. So maybe that would have been counter to the message of him being a kid again to have him be like, and he should date grandma. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe they had to write that out of the end or something like that. Yeah. Of course. It's just what I, yeah. There's just like th- three or four different movies in here that it could have been like, it's also interesting to me that, I mean, Mickey Rooney gets like one speech where yeah. he talks about the magic of movies and everything. That was so creepy. Um, <laughs> like that I scene know. in the basement. I was like, Oh my God, he's going to kill them. Uh, it's like another one of that of the main boys themes is like he loves working at the movie theater but he doesn't care about movies right really like he never sees a movie because he's always too busy working yeah and so i thought maybe like okay well another way this could be going is like mickey rooney awakens this kid to like the magic, magic of movies yeah. and then he comes to appreciate movies but it's like it's not really about movies other than Mickey Rooney saying that yeah. it is. It was also really funny in that speech. He says something like, cause he starts by saying, um, 
I don't know. He makes all these movies like there's no place like home, which is like a Judy Garland reference, which is like Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland were in a million movies together. And then he's like listing all of these. He says a bicycle can fly, which I guess is like an IT reference or could also or ET reference, <laughs> but could also but could also be Wizard of Oz. Uh, bike flies in there, too. Um, and then he says, and beautiful women marry. <laughs> yeah. And I totally thought he was going to say, like, marry funny men or <laughs> or marry the guy next door yeah. or something like that because you know but he says handsome men yeah and he famously <laughs> married to ava gardner i didn't like, know that I Mickey, didn't know <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Mickey was married eight times to a bunch of beautiful women chief among them ava gardner <laughs> wow like he was a fucking stud uh good work mickey Rooney. in his time a little teeny gremlin kind of stud um and he was like very like cute and funny um but yeah that was a surprising turn to that speech yeah yeah that was it was um like the implication being like you know the only place we can go to see beautiful women and handsome men getting together (laughs) is the movies and that's what the magic is all about yeah that's Um, so and and even then it's that it's like but he doesn't say like we're the most gorgeous women on earth marry the most handsome the, the 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 you know leading men of their dreams or something. It's just like beautiful women and handsome yeah. men <laughs> getting together. <laughs> yeah, it was a strange speech, but that really that whole scene. I mean, because they cut to commercial, like he's going to be like the phantom that they've been searching for, and these two little kids are like cornered in this like you know theater dungeon beneath the surface of the earth. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, there was something menacing about the whole thing. And really not until the end, you know, he's explaining all of these things that are magical about the movies. And he's like, and so you see, I am not the Phantom. And they're like, oh, OK, cool. He's not the Phantom. OK. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It well, little... and it's probably a worse fate than being killed by a Phantom is for for a little kid is having an old guy talk to you about <laughs> movies from the 30s and 40s. That's probably true. <laughs> um, were you surprised by who the Phantom was? Well, I mean, so they set it up that it was either going to be Sean, the manager, who it was, uh, Mickey Rooney, or there was some third potential person. And they kind of throughout the movie kind of like closed each door. Uh, Didn't they accuse Popcorn Guy or like the the mechanic? Yes. The guy um, who was like fixing Merle, stuff. Yeah. The the projectionist. Um. So I wasn't like shocked to my core, but uh, I was surprised because I was like, well, how the hell was he tying himself up like that? Like he was putting duct tape. I over know. Him. Uh, but, you know, you kind of you kind of go with it. I knew immediately I was like, they're going to make try to make us think that it's Mickey Rooney, but it's definitely this guy who got passed over for a job for reasons we don't care about. Right. Well, in and the he did opening the of this film. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, but, you know, I did think the way he was played was pretty strange because. I guess we're supposed to read him as villain because he's mean to Mickey Rooney. Right. Um, but I kind of wish <laughs> I kind of wish he'd had a more complicated arc because in the <laughs> beginning of the movie, he really does get screwed. Yeah. And the beginning very much parallels. Well, and they validate mm-hmm. him by showing the theater owner who has hired his like son-in-law. At the very end, the son-in-law is like, hey, by the way, what's a movie projector? You know, like, not to say I'm in over my head, but what is a movie? And then the guy's like, ah, you never should have hired you. So he, exactly. was, he was right. <laughs> but He had a very justifiable gripe, right. which, like, to be fair, so does the Phantom himself um, in the literature and in the film. Yeah. Uh, but 
the Phantom is a character who is like, he's your villain, you're scared of him, but he's also like, he, you're compelled by him. Right. Literally, in the case of the characters. But this guy was just like, I guess, like, you know, unmasked like a Scooby-Doo villain yeah. at the end. When it's like, wait a minute, he was right about everything and he had a right to be upset. Yeah, which it works because he never did anything that bad. Like he turned a fan on during a tornado right. movie. Or he, you know, like it was like, OK, you know, and then he gets his movie deal. So he's, you know, Sean is going to be OK. That's true. Um, That's true. But uh, it just made me sad. It was, it was funny, like, though, because he cared like, about his job. Oh, sorry. What? Sorry. He cared. He cared about his job, I think. Like, yeah. He wasn't the kind of manager who was like mean and just like on a power trip. It seemed like he really cared about the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Because even after he gets the call and he does his little eye twitch thing, you know, that he's like, well, I guess I'm not going to get the promotion or whatever. He still mm-hmm. and it, that was actually kind of weird, too. He says to the our main character, you know, if anything goes wrong tonight, I'm holding you responsible or something. You know, I'll tell Mr. Wiedemeyer that it was you or whatever his name was. Um, so, yeah, it seems like he's still. I, it seemed like he was yeah, still invested yeah. in the success of the venture, but um, but I guess that was just to throw us off the track. Just those clever screenwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. Uh, so I had some stuff in my notes. Um, my favorite line of the film. So he's barely in the movie, but the bully. So, you know, being a remake of an 80s teen sex comedy, you've got to have the bully who's just a jerk for mm-hmm. no reason and his partner. And so they have that. And uh, he's like, he's kind of like, you know, harassing our protagonist at the uh, the concession counter or something like that. And then the guy, you know, the protagonist walks off in a huff and the bully goes, why does that dog make it so easy for me to rattle his cage? <laughs> that is like straight out of the Better Off Dead episode of South yes. Park. Like... <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I like that. Because uh... <laughs> I was like, where is he going with this? When he started with, why does that dog? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> How's this going to go? I just, I do like that in a villain though, like that they're like, or like in like a stupid bully that like, they're kind of like philosophically a bully. Like they're not just like, like he seems like he had something invested in like bothering this boy as opposed to just being like kind of a jerk. Like it's like, it was a project he's on. It was also weird though, because then there's a moment later on where he, where the little boy accidentally breaks the. Yes thing off of the gumballs uh-huh. and he's like oh let me help you yeah. with that and then he actually tries to help him <laughs> yeah yeah that was weird and too. it doesn't work but <laughs> yeah until like it all goes wrong and all the gumballs go everywhere and then then he's like hey what are you doing kid but yeah he's like helping him and being nice well yeah he blames him as if it was his fault right. as though that was maybe his plan all along except yeah it clearly wasn't yeah. um <laughs> on that scene though another thing i wrote in my notes was uh the protagonist just it just starts a sequence of him like shooting gumballs into a trash can with a hockey stick like that's how he decides to clean it up so th- this is what happens so gumballs <laughs> go spill all over the floor and people are like wiping out like you know just like you yeah. know spilling their popcorn and everything and so the assistant manager <laughs> acts quick and he gets a trash can tips it over he finds a hockey stick and he starts shooting the gumballs into the the trash can uh, and like people gather around to watch and the crowd's like cheering him on, of course. And uh, then it ends with everybody like clapping for him and being really excited. And then uh, he looks up and he sees the bully and the girl he's got a crush on wandering off. And he kind of has this like, it's like, why doesn't she see me? You know, <laughs> it's like, what a strange <laughs> sequence in the film. Um yeah, it kind of felt out of nowhere, but it was just so absurd. I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. Well, so. and what does what makes her see him is him fighting the inflatable thing at the end, right? Yeah, but she also comes to respect him because he gives her the bow tie, 
and she sees how hard he's working and she's impressed by his status at the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, mo- mostly at the end, it's that he saves the day. And so then they, you know, she, she mm-hmm. likes him. But it becomes clear during the movie that she likes him too. Like she's really never yes. that into the bully. He doesn't have to like win right. her away. Uh, because as he's kind of running in and out of the theater to like check on her or whatever, as everything's going crazy in the, the megaplex, uh, the friend that, so there's the girl and the friend and like, they're like the girl's mm-hmm. like, or, you know, yeah, it seems clear that like, you know, she likes him as well and wants him to you know, ask her out or something. There's no way that being, I don't know. Is he even the assistant manager? Well, let me tell you something, Kit. As I said, I worked at a movie theater in high school. And as you know, I was quite the ladies man. So uh, mm-hmm. it really, it comes with the job and it's, it's one of the perks in my opinion. <laughs> but when he, when he's like, you know, I could probably introduce you yeah. to the star of the movie. <laughs> to it's it, it was funny, too, because in that scene, he's talking about a boy actor that sh- they have a crush on. And he's like, you know, right. I'm I take tickets at this movie theater. I could probably get you an introduction. And but, it reminded me of like. In high school, like my guy friends would do shit like that, where they'd yeah. be like, oh, you like this boy. Let me help you get with him. <laughs> so what that is, then- is if you're a beta. <laughs> You have to, you know, show that you're on her side and win her favor that way. And then she'll see that you were right in front of her all along. And, uh, you know, she'll she'll be like, well, who wants this alpha? Thanks for introducing me to this alpha. But I realize I would much rather be with, you know, this much less impressive man, which is you. But I don't know how you would even know about that because you were. I mean, I was the alpha. Basically, what I saw, I saw this going on all the time. So I had to stop the beta Mm -hmm. and be like, no, she's coming with me. And then, you know. But that was always the beta's like strategy. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it did seem like a strategy that would backfire for him. Possibly could potentially backfire. Yeah. For him. But uh, also, was there even a male star to the movie? Wasn't that just the director at the end? I don't think we ever saw one. Okay. I thought because that dude looked so much like Vin Diesel in a way. Yeah, he did. I was like, oh, this is our male star. But then toward the end, I'm like, oh, he's the director yeah. or at least he's pitching a movie to a guy so I, also, I think he's the director i liked his introduction they're like let me call the director up to the front to introduce his picture and the guy comes up and he's like all right enough chit chat let's start the movie uh, let the mayhem begin or whatever like he didn't really <laughs> uh yeah i also was hoping we'd get to see some of this midnight mayhem film like you know that it would somehow come yeah because or... there was a little bit of another movie in the movie and i was like that's for yeah. a disney channel original movie i'm seeing the difference between what's on screen and what's you know, my movie. Yeah. Um, so there was, I yeah, there was the one called like Glimpses of Genevieve, I think. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that was actually uh, footage from Alice Sweet Alice. I read that on the IMDb trivia page. So what's Alice Sweet Alice? That's just an old horror movie. It's okay. yeah, nothing, nothing big. But uh, uh, yeah, so but they didn't I mean, they used some Phantom of the Opera footage. They used that. And then that was it, I think. As far as real movies went. Also, some of the movie titles they made up were terrible. Like the, uh, you know, the 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 siblings kept referencing like, um, like classic romance movies. And like when the when the kid yeah. is. At, so at the very beginning, when the little brother is in the yard and he is uh, like, I guess, fertilizing. He wasn't mowing. He was just like fertilizing the lawn or something. He's like, you sound just like the grandpa in blank screen. It's like, that's not a, that doesn't sound like an old movie. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, there was another one. She says she says some like rhyming thing about the what gets wed. men to propose. Yeah, that I feel like was supposed to be a reference to How to Marry a Millionaire. Okay, to girls don't make pa- or men seldom make passes and girls who wear glasses. Okay, um, but 
the name of the movie that they give is doesn't make any sense. And also, were those kids? They're supposed to be into old movies, right? Yeah, but because I think their okay. dad, who died, had been in uh, interested mm-hmm. in old movies, and so that's where they came. But yeah, I never met any uh, when I was in, I guess, what sixth grade. There was never any. Um, cute blonde girl who was like dropping references to old movies from the thirties and forties, at least not in my school. So, mm-hmm. or her little, uh, seven-year-old brother who was equally film literate. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, I kind of was hoping so. Okay. I know this is too much to ask. The fact that I can't help rewriting even this fucking movie <laughs> is pretty pathetic. Yeah. Um, but I kept thinking, so like, Obviously, it doesn't hold water that anything, if it is true that this is a big movie with big stars premiering, then it wouldn't be happening at this theater. Yeah. So obviously, that's not the case. Um, so I was kind of wish, found myself wishing that this was like, you know, you mentioned you bring up the wire, but like, what if this is like a Baltimore thing? Or what if this is like a premiere in a small town and these people are famous like relative to like I wanted kind of a waiting for Guffman energy where it's actually yeah. like the stars are a big deal, you know, because they're from Cincinnati or Cleveland or something. And this is like some small town. Right. Um, well, they did say that the movie had been filmed in that area, but the city itself looked like it was a big city. Like it looked like it was, you know, I guess it was Toronto, but it was supposed to be like maybe California or something. Um, and there would be no that's what I was wondering if it's but if it's if it's a California theater where they're going to have premieres, then does it have teens working at? I don't know. It just yeah. I wanted a little more. I also thought it kind of in, the, in that same vein. <sighs> Do you think they called it Megaplex for the title? Because like, why wasn't this at a cool theater? Yeah. You know? Although I think that theater, to me, it's cool now because it's like a perfect like late '90s design, like theater. It just looks exactly like the Regal down the street from me. Right, but those are all gone now, Kit. Like those are very rare. Yeah. Um, like this movie's 20 years old. Actually, I looked it up, and that theater is now a gym. It's like a a Live Fit mm-hmm. or a LA Fitness or something. Um, because I was curious, like if that theater is still around. But yeah, no, that is. I think that was like. Uh, it said it was Odeon was the theater that it had been, but we've got a, hmm. I think it's Regal, but yeah, like in the late nineties, I mean, maybe Cinemark that they just, they looked like that. Like they had that kind of like, they looked like you were in like a, like a bum gall, uh, a bum gall, a gumball machine or like just some <laughs> sort of Dr. Susie kind of, I don't know mm-hmm. what that nineties style would be called, but, um, but yeah, so I thought that I did kind of like the theater, uh, but yeah, it would have been cooler to have it. I definitely, I mean, anytime you can put a movie in a small town, you're probably going to improve it. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, what else we got here? I thought the, uh, they had the little sword in the stone contest where the kids were yeah. supposed to, that's definitely dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you just, somebody pulls a giant metal sword out and is like, Hey, I won the contest <laughs> running around the theater. Um, let's see on that same note, you know, at the end I was laughing. I did. I did find it very amusing when the big inflatable was going off in the theater and like, you know, it looked like it was like grabbing people or like eating them when the mouth mm-hmm. fell on them and stuff. Um, but I was thinking like and they when, had sound effects as well. Yeah. 
of like as if it was growling. Yeah, or like it was actually Godzilla. Um, but uh, he just like jumps on top of it from the balcony and starts like stabbing it with the sword. And it's like that was a long sword. He could have easily impaled somebody sitting in like a a, the, uh, a seat underneath the Godzilla getting squished. But uh, <laughs> fortunately, that you know didn't go there. Um, I I wrote. I feel like teenage Mike wanted nothing more than to be part of a Saturday night team. Yeah, <laughs> that's something that he says. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I wrote that this is a perfect union of our two interests in movie theaters and Phantoms of the Opera. <laughs> I know this is the um, second Phantom we've done. We still haven't done your favorite Phantom. So I know. Ugh, lame. <laughs> <sighs> I think I've gone through all my notes. Um, oh, we didn't talk about Mickey Rooney's Hooray for Hollywood song. Oh, dear. See, that's probably why. <laughs> it was kind of That sad. was in the commercial... <laughs> That would be a reason for me not to watch yeah, the movie. Yeah, it was a little sad, but that hot chick comes out of the limo, and, uh, you know, she's like, he's my escort for the night, and, you know, so mm-hmm. so it goes well. And, like, the crowd loved it. You could see everybody clapping yeah. and enjoying it, so that was good. That's our theme song he's singing. That's true. Maybe we should uh, insert that into the episode instead of... Uh, uh, sad. But, yeah, that's all I got for the notes. I do want to know how Sean tied himself up. Um, but... Yeah, it's weird that they didn't... I don't know, have him make reference to that misdirect or something. It's a lot of effort. Um, I thought that the scary girl was like a poor man's Heather Matarazzo. Yeah, I could see that. Very much. Um, Man, a poor man's Heather. What you don't want to be. When when she yanked, that girl yanked on the balloons and the balloons came down and then I was – and I was like, oh, I knew that the that there were balloons up there and they were going to come down. And it's like, oh, those were for the, you know, celebration. I did not expect the water. Yeah. When they were water balloons. Oh, I gasped. Um, <laughs> My God, their clothes will be ruined. Yeah. I had a very hard time following who all the grownups were and what their business relationships were to each other. Like, yeah. if this is a movie premiere, like, why is, like, the owner of the th- theater or something is like walking in with the director of the film right. is that something that happens um um and my last note is irl those kids would definitely have fallen off the roof it was very funny <laughs> when it's like three kids tied to each other who can't see anything yeah. just shuffling <laughs> along the roof of a building it's like there do you see a flaw in this idea guys well they said that <laughs> they said don't worry the the roof has railings or barriers i know but yeah we can see it yeah we can see that it does not. Yeah. Oh, it didn't. I didn't even look at that actually. Not that I could see. Also, I didn't understand why he did that. Like the phantom. Why he tied them up? Yeah. Like why? I mean. See, you said he didn't do anything that bad, but that's kind of like kidnapping three kids. Yeah, that's true. Although he didn't take <laughs> them with him, so I think technically it's not kidnapping. He just tied them up and left them he on the roof. He bound them and left them on a roof. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's legal on a technicality. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he definitely wasn't like a good dude, but he didn't really like, he didn't do anything where you're like, I've got to see this guy, like get what's coming to him or something. So did, did Mickey Rooney, I can't remember his name. Movie. Remember in eight. No, I mean in the, in eight crazy nights. Oh yeah. The little guy. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, I don't know. I blocked that movie. Whitey. What is it? Whitey. Whitey. Yeah, that's right. He reminded me of Whitey the whole time. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Where everyone's just kind of like 
you can't tell if people like him or don't like him. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the kids definitely liked Movie Mason. Um, but yeah, yeah, it seemed like the management had lost tolerance with him. Although that was weird. I mean, that's a weird thing to do. He, they said he came in every week and gave his work schedule. And then the guy just tosses it into the trash right in front of him. Um, <laughs> and does he live in the movie theater? Like, does he live in the dungeon down underneath the theater? I don't think so. Okay. Because he says like, ah, oh, you found my hiding spot or something like that uh, when he comes to, to see them. I like the idea. The idea of someone that he's like finally gets to be a ticket taker and then he, he won't let people see <laughs> yeah. movies he doesn't think are good. Yeah. That's a pretty funny idea. Yeah. But yeah. What else you got? You got any more notes? That's it. That's it. Well, I believe that's uh, if we don't have any little stragglers and we're not doing a cruise minute because it wouldn't be right without Andrew. Uh, that may be it for us tonight. So I don't know what movie we should watch next. Yeah. The ones that stand out to me as sort of iconic and from this time period uh-huh. are like Smart House. Um, there's Xenon, which I really liked as a kid. Xenon. Um, oh, Girl of yeah, the Future or something? Girl of the 21st Century. Okay. Um, I'm trying to... Th- there's Cheetah Girls. You're not going to watch that. No. Um, so the one I was thinking musical, of the obviously. other day was Susie mm-hmm. Q with the girl from Power Rangers. Okay. I would love to, but is that a Disney Channel original movie? It if says, so, fuck yes, we're watching that. It says it's a fantasy comedy television film. So so there is so Wish Upon a Star technically was not a Disney Channel original movie. Right. Uh I think this is probably in that same zone where it was, you know, produced by a different company and then premiered on the Disney Channel. Um, this has Disney. Yeah, the poster shows Disney pictures. Um, but so it's it's called a Disney Channel premiere film, not a Disney Channel original movie. So it looks like in the 80s and 90s, for the most part, it was mm-hmm. premiere film. So films that, again, would be produced outside the company and, and uh, then premiere on the channel. So I think we could do that or we could do a different Disney Channel original movie. Um, Halloween Town is, is a huge one I, as well. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Halloween Town. I feel like if we do two movies that technically aren't Disney Channel original movies, that's going to right. undermine the integrity of this triple as much as I would prefer to watch <laughs> Susie Q. But Halloween Town, I loved, and I honestly think it's pretty good. Okay. No, I would happily watch Halloween Town. It's and been it on has, my list for a while. And Debbie Reynolds is in it. So it's like continuing our kind of like okay, yeah, With old that. movie guys. Anyhow. Yeah. Halloween Town sounds yeah. good. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Please join us next week for Halloween Town. Um, I guess what, 1998? Is that what it said? Yeah, which is shocking to me. Cool. 1998's Halloween Town. Um, slow motion triple feature was recorded in Mickey Rooney's weird murder room underneath that movie theater. Special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slowmotiontriple at gmail.com. Oh, my God.